three, two, one. We should be live. Welcome, everybody, to the God is Awesome podcast. Um, this is a podcast where we go over regular Christians' testimonies and we talk about how God has worked in their life for better or for worse. And usually it's usually for better. And it's, I don't want to be theological about this, but you know, it's, sometimes we think it's for worse. Um, but God is ultimately awesome. Today we have our special guest along, probably the person that I've known the longest on this podcast. His name is Ryan Larson. I call him Larson. Larson, what's up? Say what's up, man. What's going on, buddy? Uh, super glad to have you on here. Before we get to the interview, we just want to make sure that you all know uh, if you guys find something interesting, um, like you find that his uh, his testimony, Ryan's testimony, uh, would appeal to someone else um, that you might know, please uh, tag him in the comments or share this um, video. If you think that, um, uh, if you want to like give uh, and, and cheer on Ryan, tap in a hashtag go Ryan, or if you're watching this in the future, hit hashtag replay just so I know where everyone's coming from. Um, it helps us rank up in, in Facebook's rankings. You know what I mean? We're trying to get known out here. Anyway, uh, Larson, tell us uh, who you are, a little bit who you are, where you're from, how you came to know Christ, some of your back history, maybe what you do now, how old are you? Still, give us some general information to start off with. Um, well, you already know my name now. Um, <laughs> born and raised a good 18 years of my life in Port St. Lucie. Port St. Um, started going to Sunlight when I was probably a few years old. Um, oh, yeah? And had been going there up until I left, um, where I met you, where I met a bunch of people that I have relationships with. Um, then I moved to Georgia. Um, I met my, actually, no, rewind. I met my wife, um, at sunlight when we went on, where did we go? Um, universals. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we went to universal and, um, to the concert. What was the concert called? Um, uh, I think it was rock the universe. Was maybe yeah, might have been one of those that we yeah. went to them concerts back in the day. Mm -hmm. um, met her on that and moved to Georgia for a few years, and then two years ago now moved down to Ocala, um, and this is where I am now. Okay, um, got two kids, married. I work for DOC. What's that? Department of Corrections. Gotcha. I work in a prison. Okay. Um. I mean, you know, can't complain. Yeah. It's not too much anyway. <laughs> no one will listen, right? Yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit about your upbringing. Um, you said that you mentioned that you uh, grew up with a childless fatherhood or uh, without too much of a father in your life, a father figure in your life. Tell us about your home life. Um, my home life was good. Um, you know, my mom worked a lot because of the fact that it was basically just her. So she mm -hmm. worked like three jobs um, to support me as a kid. Um, so I spent a lot of time with my grandparents, which is the reason why we've developed such a strong relationship. I was always at church with my grandparents and stuff like mm -hmm. that. Um, the only father figure, yeah, my father left when I was a year old um, and always, th you know, throughout the years would call and say he was coming to get me, say he was coming to pick me up, would never come. You know, I, I'd be out in the, I guess as a kid, my grandparents told me I'd be out in the yard waiting for him to come four or five hours sitting out in the yard and never showed up. So, Dang. um, yeah, I mean, the only father figure I really had back then was my grandfather. And, yeah. um, I mean, he's really now the only, fa you know, 
Whitney's dad is, you know, he's kind of that figure to me now, you know, we've developed a really strong relationship, but for the first, you know, 20, 23 years of my life, my grandfather was really all I had father figure wise. Um, My upbringing was good. I mean, there was a lot of love there. It was a struggle, but you know, I just had a lot of, I think resentment and anger issues built up because of what happened as a kid. And so it was something that I just kind of had to learn to cope with and deal with. What does that do for, for you? Um, you know, without a father, uh, did it, did you feel it? Like, was it just that one instance or was it like constant reminder or is this something that you, uh, still like kind of look back on with bitterness or, um, tell me how that formed you, how that shaped you. Um, growing up, I mean, he would call all the time and say that he was coming or say that he was going to send child support or that he was going to take me shopping before school and things like that. And it never happened. So Mm -hmm. I think if it was just a one-time thing, like he just said he was going to come and then never came and then never, or never heard from again, it might've been easier at that point to do from that. But it was like the constant dragging along of making me as a kid, I didn't know any better. Yeah, You know, you're so gullible as a child. I think it was the constant dragging along of making me feel like you wanted me or loved yeah. me or whatever. Letting you um, down consistently over and yeah, over. Yeah. Over and over and over that built up kind of a resentment and a hate and just a dark spot i guess inside and so it i mean it molded me into being a vi- i mean I had really bad anger issues as a kid um i you know i tried not to let them out you know it wasn't like i was constantly getting in fights or something like that or cursing out people or something like that because you know the way my grandparents and my mother raised me was you know respectfully and and yeah. treat people like you want to be treated and stuff like that but it, it did it felt it molded a lot of internal rage i think um and it took a long time to i'm not past it anymore what happened was is i got to a certain point where in order for me to not suffer i had to let it go not care anymore yeah i had to not care about my dad i had to not care whether he showed up or not and you say not care let's is that like numbing yourself to it or is that actually like letting go of it yeah i just had to let go i just had to know he's not coming he doesn't want me and if he doesn't want me then i don't want him is there a difference between forgiving him for it or just like putting up the wall against him what was what what do you lean more towards forgiveness is what i should do yeah i wouldn't say that i forgive him but i've forgotten about it i I don't let it hold resentment anymore i don't let it hold you know i just it's i it it takes effort to hate someone yeah it takes effort to like them and it takes an equal amount or sometimes more effort to hate someone so it became to a certain point where i just wasn't going to put any effort into it at all anymore i was just gonna live my life and be happy with what i have in front of me sure it sounds like uh you'll live life despite him and it's like, you'll like kind of numb him and wall him off from your life that you don't want to yeah. do with him anymore. I mean the last, and I wouldn't even say contact. I found his Facebook profile. At least I thought well, it was his Facebook profile. Didn't know if he if it was in use, if he ever logged on it or what, but I sent him a message the day 
Kaylee was born when I was 19 years old and said, I'm not looking to rekindle a relationship or anything like that. I just wanted to let you know that you're a grandfather now. And here's a picture, sent him a picture and didn't expect to hear anything from him and never did. But at least I was like in yeah. my heart, mentally able to know, at least I let him know. Yeah, you did your part. Yeah, for sure. Uh, why do you leave in the first place? Wasn't ready to be a dad. He was 18 years old when my mom had me. Wow. Okay. 18 left. Wasn't ready to be a dad. Didn't want the responsibility. And yeah. you said you were 19 when you were became a dad. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's like real close there. We'll, 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 we'll get to that. We'll get to that. So you and I grew up basically together. Um, mm-hmm. I was, I was, I'm, I'm not that much older than you and uh, we grew up in the church. Uh, when did you, when did you come to Christ or when did you start thinking about Jesus and how, how did the church play a role in your childhood? The first trip we took ATF, that's what it was. Oh, we went to ATF. Um, the first trip that we took to ATF was not the trip that I had met Whitney at. It was, I met Whitney the second time we went because the first time we went to ATF, we didn't go to Universal and all that stuff. We just made the trip, went the two days to ATF. Miami. Um, yeah. Yeah. And um, that, they did this, uh, they did this thing on stage. You know, everybody was having the concert, having fun, everything. And then they kind of slowed it down and had this ceremony on stage where I guess it was kind of like a, uh, I guess it was kind of like a service, like a little mm-hmm. mini service, I guess, in between the concert and stuff like that. And right. they just did this time where they were playing a little music and they asked if anybody feels compelled to come down and get saved <clears throat> to do so. If they felt like it, they had a big open place on the floor where people could walk up and kind of just um, kneel in front of the stage. And yep. I felt a huge tug. And so I went down there and um, that was, I think, the time that I realized, like, because, you know, growing up in a church all those years, you know, God's real. Sure. You know, there's there's things that happen that you can't explain. There's things that you feel inside that you couldn't explain to somebody else if you tried. <clears throat> so I knew growing up, going going to Sunlight since I was like two years old, um, that that there was a God, but it doesn't mean that he's your God yet, I guess. Yeah. Um, and at that point when I went down there on the floor, I felt like he was talking to me and I got saved by him and he let me know everything was okay. And, and yeah, so we went, came back on Saturday. We went down Friday and Saturday and came, or we went, maybe it was Thursday and Friday. We went down and we came back on Saturday and Sunday morning at church um, Pastor Scott had us come up on stage and tell our story, and yeah. we told our told our story in front of the whole congregation. And yeah, that was kind of wow. That was when it happened. Wow, that's that's awesome. So it was a, a Christian con- conference or concert uh, that did it. Um, did your life change dramatically afterwards? Not that much afterwards. Um, I still knew you, of course, but like, how was your way of thinking or value system? Like, what'd you value? How did Christ change your life, if, if at all, too much or too little? I think once I got saved, it definitely made me more, um, 
interested in church. Okay. The services became more about paying attention and less about, Hey man, come on, let's wrap this up. We've got kickoff soon. Sure. <laughs> um, so, you know, and that's the one thing about for me with pastor Scott, when he came to, you know, cause I grew up on pastor Jim who was the pastor at sunlight before pastor Scott came and pastor Scott came and I mean, he just, it's just something that he does. He clicks with people so well. Yeah, yeah. And I've never seen a person who can take talking about like the Chicago Cubs and turn it into a service. <laughs> yeah. And so it was so weird. But once I got saved, once I got saved, I started paying attention sure. when we went to service. There's a, there's a value and, to the sermon. Yeah. yeah. And when I started paying attention, I was like, man he's really good. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Like yeah. I couldn't believe how well he was able to make stuff for any age group. He was able to make it relatable. Yeah. Yeah. So that was where it started to kind of change for me. And I was always kind of sort of involved in the youth group and, yeah. you know, cause I'd been there so long, but it, it got me a lot more involved. I would say it, once I got saved, it made me more involved, more, like it made me want the drive was to go to church was there sure more so than it was before you fell more and more in love you you were walking deeper into it. it wasn't like a crazy change it was like slow and gradual yeah cool yeah so you you meet your um uh girlfriend your honey boo at the time whitney um mm -hmm. and then uh and then you guys start dating um how does how does uh how does God affect your dating life? Um, what happened there? Um, I'm, I'm assuming you guys at 19 unplanned pregnancy. Um, you know, walk us through this. Walk us through this part of your life. Yeah, I think that definitely being a teenager with all the hormones and things that you have going on, you know, the your walk with Christ kind of becomes the last thing on your mind. And it sure. did for us too, as I'm sure with many other teenagers. And we kind of fell away from it. Now we still went to church sometimes on Sundays. We weren't like habitual churchgoers, but um, yeah, I mean, it took it. Our walk of Christ definitely veered off. Um, you know, we, you know, unprotected sex and an unplanned pregnancy and things like that. So we definitely weren't walking like the Christ driven path, but um, I mean, so we both still believed, but, yeah. What what was going through your brain? Like, what was the first thoughts when you thought, man, I'm a father? Was it fear? Was it excitement? What what happened? Oh, at that age, total fear. Yeah. <laughs> total fear. Just... But it, it became, you know, it came to a point where something kind of, it was total fear, but it was also something snapped in my head at that point because at that point in time, and I'll never say that I would change it at all because of the fact that I'm the type of person that unless I get it, unless I get, unless something in life, whether it's a person or a thing or an event that happens that gives me a swift kick in the backside, mm -hmm. I'm not going to, it, like, it won't register. You know, I'm, I've been told my entire life, you love to learn the hard way. And I guess I do. Um, <laughs> So for me, I, it took having Kaylee to have that wake up call to kind of grow up. Okay. I mean, 19, now most 19 year olds aren't worried about acting adult 
like, you know, they're more worried about, you know, going to school or whatever it is. But for me, it was total fear when she was born at first, but then it kind of clicked in my head, like, okay, this now is about, my life is about more than myself now. Yeah. I have a human being that I have to take care of. So no matter what, no matter how, no matter how difficult, like I have to take care of this human being. Yeah. How, how did your, how does your um, fatherhood or, or how, how's your fatherhood and how you see yourself as a father, how's that formed or shaped by what your father did to you? Oh, I said to myself, as soon as Kaylee was born, that I said, I will without a doubt, 100% never be like my dad. Hmm. I said it was a negative. I will. It, I'm, I mean, I just knew I would never do what he did to me. And I, yeah. cause I could never, I couldn't in my head picture how someone could not want a life with their child, mm-hmm. whether it's divorced, whether it's married together and you see them, whether it, whatever scenario you may be in, I, I knew, I never understood how you could just not want to see your child. And I, I can't go a day without seeing Kaylee. Yeah. You know, I mean, I understand it drives me nuts when she goes out of town to go sometimes to her grandfather's for vacation and stuff like that. I, it drives me crazy. So I just couldn't, I vowed that day as soon as she was born, like, no, I will not leave your side, whether I'm with your mother, not with your mother. You know, the goal is of course to be together, but yeah. no matter what, I'm going to have a relationship with my daughter. That was the number one yeah. thing. I see that a lot, you know, like we're, if we're just talking here that, that there's a, there's like always, there's like this bad example of fatherhood in a lot of people's lives and it's used, it's like channeled within people to be like, man, I'm not going to be like that. I'm not going to be like my dad or how that guy did to me. And, um, and I'm seeing that as like a trend in a lot of like younger adults, like our ages, like, Hey, you know what? We've been screwed, but, um, we love our family. There's a high ethic of family values that, uh, we hold and, yeah. um, from, from a negative place, which is weird. You know what I mean? You'd, you'd think that'd only come from a positive place. Yeah. I mean, I think that, um, I think all negative things that, that happen in your life are learning experiences above all else. I mean, it may be a failure. It may be a heartbreak. It may be whatever it is, but anything negative that happens in your life is a learning experience because you you can tell yourself, well, I won't let that happen again. Or if I do it again, I'm going to fix whatever I did wrong. Have you, have you, sorry, have you brought Christ into how you parent? And I know you have a second child, but have you brought, church or jesus into like how how it plays a role into your parenting we are now um i mean we've always told kaylee luke's too too, kind of too young to know to to grasp the concept of it now but we've always told kaylee god exists Mm -hmm. we're christians things like that but weren't big church goers we had tried a few times in georgia and tried you know but there was no excuse to not go to church yeah now for me i had a hard time finding anybody that i clicked with like i did pastor scott because mm. it's like we built such a relationship yeah you know we, I, he watched me grow up yeah. watched me have kaylee he married me and whitney um so 
it was really hard to try and find someone who matched, you know, what I was used to, I guess. Yeah. He set a standard in your brain and it's hard to find a pastor like, Oh man, I I missed that. What I had with him and I can't find anywhere else. Cause all I would do when I came out of the church services is critique what he did based on what pastor Scott would do. It was like, I wasn't spending the time really grasping what he said. It was more like I was grasping it going, well, pastor Scott would have done it like this and it probably would have been way better. Yeah. (laughs) So do you think that's hindered your walk with Christ? Like a comparison game? It may have for sure. It it for sure probably has. Um, We just started going to this church here in Ocala and we've, well, Whitney saw one pastor and then I just went this past Sunday and she saw, of course, the second, pa- like a different pastor. And I saw him for the first time and I wasn't, I went in open-minded. Um, was he as good as Pastor Scott? <laughs> By far, no. Uh, <laughs> no we're not, we're not was, don't, don't drop any names or anything. <laughs> but, I, no, I mean, he was just, he was in my opinion, maybe better suited for an older audience. The stuff that he was saying was kind of a little boring, but I still wanted to give it, you know, an unbiased opinion. Sure. So I feel like now I'm just going to have to give some people a chance and see if, let me ask you something. What are you looking for? You're, you're saying a good pastor. What are you, what are you looking for in a pastor? You know, I don't know if I can, it's one of those things. It's like, you can't, it's kind of like when you're looking for love, it's not something that you can explain that you're looking for, but when it hits you, you just know. Mm -hmm. And so when Pastor Scott first started talking and I first started hearing his sermons, it was just something I just knew. Like, it's something that just draws you in like the best you know, like your favorite television show just draws you sure. in. You don't care what's going on around you. The building could be on fire yeah. and you just, you don't care because you're so drawn into what they're saying or what they're doing. And that was kind of something that I just totally miss with Pastor Scott is that he had such the ability to just draw people in yeah. to what he was saying. And I just haven't found it yet. I'm hoping maybe I will, but I haven't yeah. found it yet. Have you... uh are you guys praying regularly or reading the Bible regularly as a family by yourself? You can tell I mean, just be, be no. Real. Yeah. Is there a reason why is just like, you just haven't been in a, a Christian routine or rhythm? I guess. Yeah. Maybe I need, you know, we need to try and, you know, there's never any excuse for not having time, you know, I appreciate that. Yeah, our lives, <laughs> yeah, our lives are crazy. I mean, you know, we've got the two kids in school, and, yeah. and both we both work separate shifts. I work night shifts; she works day shift. So, life can be crazy, but yeah. it's not. Impo- it wouldn't. It's not impossible. And if it's not impossible, then it's possible, and it should be done. So, I, I need to. Yeah, we need to. I found that when when I read the Bible more, um, then I like I have a, a deeper appreciation. Then I could appreciate a pastor more. That's why I mentioned that. So like maybe something that might help you would be if you read the Bible on your, like just a small, maybe even a verse, like start there, one verse. Um, maybe then, you know, God will use a pastor then speak through through you in conjunction with that verse. Worth a try. Um, I know that's what's worked for me at least. Yeah. 
Um, so how was it being married? So yeah, what, what age you got married? 23? We got married. What is it going to be about? We got married in 2013. Mm-hmm. Or 14. Kaylee was two years old. So 14. So it's been about this year will be five years. Yeah. So how, how's it being married for so young? 21. We got married at 20, 21. Yeah, I think 21. 21 years old. Barely allowed to drink at your own wedding. Yeah. <laughs> Somewhere in between 21, 22. Wouldn't you may have been 22 when I was 21, or we both might have been 22, some, somewhere around there. But I know Kaylee was two years old, so it was 24. Yeah, it was May, no, July 5th, 2014. So how was, um, yeah, how, have you, how's your walk in, in marriage been? Like a lot of struggles, well, really? Yes. It, not saying that there's not any good. Yeah. But being married so young, there's a lot of things. And the crazy thing is that me and Whitney have been together this year was 10 years. Um, but the crazy thing about it was just there's a lot of things. Even when you're together, I mean, we were together, had a child together, living together before we got married. Now, we did it backwards. But um, you still... It, it, I mean, it's a struggle. Marriage is a struggle. Yeah. What's um, so hard about it? What was rough? What was like the number one thing? The number, I guess the number one thing when you're dating or when you're, you know, you know, something like that is that you always have that that thought in the back of your mind where if like, I'm not happy, I can leave. Mm. And I think once you get married, you have to tell yourself that's not an option anymore. I mean, mm. at least you don't want it to be. Yeah. You have to kind of say to yourself, if I'm not happy, we've got to work together to fix it. Yeah. So that's the thing that you, you never re I guess you never realize how much of a team you have to be once you be married, if you want it to work. Whereas, it, because it's su marriage is such a give and take. Yeah. You know the, um. There has to be a fine balance, a, a medium to it. Um, yeah. So I think that that is something that you doesn't matter how long you've been dating or whatever. If you want your marriage to actually work, that that's the thing that you have to start to realize is that like okay, just the walk out the door and leave because I'm not happy isn't an option anymore. Like, yeah, have like to work this together is, as a team and... Yeah, the commitments, the, the yeah. covenant, the, 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 the vows that you gave. A lot of people yeah. see it as options now, you know, like, it's like just... Yeah. And, and that's where we're, we're at with a 50% divorce rate, probably even a little higher um, yeah. in this country. You know, it's like, it's rough. It is rough. Yeah. Like, and you have so many options yeah like it's and and it's so easy to cheat yeah and it's so easy to like just fall fall out. well let me that let me ask you something can someone fall out of love i think so yes yeah i think that you'll never anyone that you've ever um been in love with i don't think you can ever not love them mm -hmm. but i think that you cannot be in love with someone anymore i think that I think it can happen. You know, I feel like it can happen. Yeah. Um, the, like the emotive part, at least, right? Like this whole like, 
I could stop feeling this loving feeling for someone. Right. Yeah. I mean, no one expects the puppy dog love stage to last. That's it. It doesn't that whole, you know, when I wake up in the morning, you're the first thing I think about. (laughs) And the first thing you, or that's the last thing I think about before I go to bed. Like when I wake up in the morning, the first thing I think about is wanting to go back to sleep. (laughs) So he's going to the bathroom. um, Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, the puppy dog stage fades, but it's, if you can, can grow and that's the thing too is that you'll never anyone who's just been dating will never understand what a love is like when you've been married oh yeah because there's so many there's so many trials and tribulations that you go through as a married couple that if you come out on top of it as a married couple it trumps sure any of the other crap that is out there yeah so what's one of the things you guys had to work through um and how'd you get through it one of the big things as of recently was the attitude, I guess the attitude and the mental change that I went through working at a place that I work at because department of corrections. Yeah. Working with inmates. I mean, I don't, I don't ever want to change who I am, but you have to kind of change who you are when you walk through the door, you have to be a different person because you're trying to give them you don't want them to have any information about you. You mm-hmm. want them to have, you know, and you don't want any issues or anything like, you know, so, so some, I became a nastier person hmm. when I started working there at first. And it took me a le- about a year to be able to, um, to be able to leave it at the gate. Hmm to be able to take the the mindset of where I work in with me, but not take it home with me. You got to have, you got to put yourself on edge when you get walk in there. Cause it's dangerous. You're yeah, in prison with it can be dangerous people yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, you have to kind of, and you see some crazy stuff. Oh yeah. So you have to be able to kind of balance that, you know, that leave it at the, we, you know, we call it leave it at the gate. Yeah. where you don't take any of the stuff that happens at work home with you. And it's, it's all cool to say that, yeah. but it happens. Yeah. And it happened to me for like the first year um, of working there. And it took a long time and almost, I mean, it got close to breaking our relationship. So how so just because of, I started to get that feeling of, am I, am I in love anymore? Or do I even know what love is anymore gotcha, or anything yeah. like that? Because you, you can sometimes from dealing with work become so numb to things because of what you can see on an everyday basis. Yeah. Um, what, what that, did you see? Like, what are some stuff you saw? I mean, you can see all kinds of stuff, all kinds of acts of violence and different things like that. And you kind of have to be, I mean, you can, you see patients that are, I mean, you see not, you see inmates that are sick and you see inmates that can just do some just atrociously nasty things. And like what? I, I, my, my brain's not connecting. Like, I mean, you can, you you, I mean, there, it's a no holes bars. I mean, depending on the prison that you're in, uh, you can see inmates that would cut somebody from ear to ear. 
Oh, geez. Okay. And so, you know what I'm saying? Like, so the amount of stuff that you can see just, it, you know, yeah, that messes with your psyche. There's like a, there's like a mental thing that like, you see some, like you see something crazy and atrocious and bloods everywhere. And then like, what, and then you're supposed to go home and be regular. Yeah. So, I mean, or, or you just have to be, you know, you have to be able to walk into my work with a mindset. Cause I work at a female camp mm-hmm. and you have to be able to walk into the mindset that is much, it, they are people and you should treat them as people. But you also have to realize that the goal when you walk in is for you to walk back out. Yeah. And you have to realize that, you know, if an inmate is doing something to another inmate, we're going to do however long it takes for us to fix that situation, whether an inmate's beating the crap out of another inmate or whatever it is. Our safety is more important to us than the safety of them because our goal is to walk out every day. Sure. And so sometimes you have to kind of block out that part in your mind that's like, this is another person. I need to help that person because you'd never know what can happen to you having that kind of mindset. Extreme caution, extreme survival. So you kind of have to, yeah, you, you, you know, I kind of developed just kind of a numbness to the stuff that would happen at work. And then I would bring it home with me. And then, you know, if we had struggles that we were, you know, like every married couple would have, it was added uh, on top of that. Yeah. And I was just, I would just be numb to that too. And then yeah. it would kind of just put a strain on our relationship because it made Whitney feel like he doesn't care. He doesn't care about anything. He doesn't care about me or so it was a struggle for a while. But I think that now that I've been able to kind of regulate that we're in, you know, a lot better place. Yeah. Um, corrections officers do not get enough of uh, uh, attention about how difficult their job is and how hard their job is. So shout out to all the correction officers out there. And, and um, yeah, seriously, we, we, we want you guys to be safe and all. Uh, uh, and I'm sure there's some kind of like PTSD that you have to deal with too, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's officers that deal with it all the time. We have an, um, you know, an emergency helpline that people can call if they're feeling like that. And, and you know, they, they'll help them, which is nice that our work has that for us. But yeah. And there's like, a, there's, it's like, there's this thing where like, you can't have that because you got to be this like hard, strong person. But like, at the same time, we're only human. Like we're only, I couldn't yeah. imagine that stuff is rough, man. That stuff is rough. Do you have any advice for um, other correctional officers that are, might be listening to this podcast? I would just say, you, you know, like I said, it's not easy and people make it seem like it's easy, but you have to be able to leave it at the door. You have to be able to walk in and be who you need to be and then you know walk out and and turn the switch off there has to be you have to be able to develop some kind of mental switch and switch it on when you're at work and switch it off when you're away from work and no doubt god is walking with you right as you walk into those prison doors too like no doubt god is with you protecting you up until now you know and have friends that work in the prison system with you yeah, because there's nobody that you'll be able to talk to and vent to and bounce things off of than people who work with you, because people on the outside just won't understand. I mean, they'll sure. be willing to listen. Whitney's willing to listen to anything that I tell her that happens at work, 
But until you walk inside those gates and see what it's like for yourself, you'll never really yeah. 100% understand. So if you are a correctional officer, you, you've got to develop a friend group at work or, you know, or somebody from another prison that just somebody who gets it. Yeah. How's that? Um, how about the family? Like, do you have anything to say or advice for people who might not be COs or anything, but they might know people or they have related to or family or whatever. Do you have anything to say to them? Be patient Mm. because it's going to be a development. You know, every person's a little different. Some person might walk in with the, and be perfectly fine walking in there and, and have the mentality of being able to leave it at the gate, depending on what they did. A lot of, People um, in the military who have experienced things in the military can sometimes walk into that compound and already know what it's like to flip the switch when yeah. you're at work and flip the switch when you're at home and flip yeah. it off when you're at home. So it's I wild, that, man. It's wild, dude. Yeah. That's like, that's a whole nother world that people don't understand. Like they don't understand that people try to commit suicide there. They don't understand that people do commit su- successfully or there's attacks or there's, you know, fear of a riot or, you never know if someone's got a weapon or. Um, yeah. I mean, we're, and our, our unit, our compound is a mental health unit. So they, I mean, you can see all kinds of people they, going you know, crap, people cutting themselves to blood everywhere. Like I've heard banging their head against a wall. There's all kinds of different stuff. Banging, so hurting themselves. You just never know. You're always just this anxious, like, like, yeah. So I would say if you're a family member or a spouse or whatever, somebody working in, especially if they're brand new to it, just, have their back and have some patience because yeah. it may take time. There may be some rough nights, but it just, just yeah. give it time. Um, let I want to ask uh, two more questions. The first one is where do you go from here? Right. You're, you're, uh, you're father of two now. You're, it seems like you're just getting back into church, uh, just testing the waters, looking for a pastor that, or a church you can connect with. Um, where is God headed, uh, for you now? What, what do you think he's got planned? What do you want to deal with your relationship with God, with like spirituality and religion? Like what's your plan here? What, where are you going? That's, I mean, the main thing is just, I want to find a church where I really just gel well. I want to mm-hmm. feel like when I walk in, like, yeah, this is, this is where I feel like I belong. This is where I really want to be. And so that's that's where I want to be because I want to get back into, you know, being more involved with God and with Christ and, and being more involved with the church like I was when I was in Fort St. Lucie. So yeah. I definitely, I think my next step is just to get more involved again. And uh, on a, and- on a scale for, from one to 10, 10 being the most closest you've ever been with, with God and with Christ, uh, where are you now? Four, maybe. Four. Yeah, you believe four or he exists. Five. You remember what he's done for your life, and you want to get to somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. I would like to get back to like that feeling of when I was on the floor at ATF. Yeah. And so, yeah. You know, you know, Ryan, you're, you're. I mean, we haven't spoken in a while, but you are the man of the house, man. You've, you've you're like a straight man now, and I'm so like excited to see like just the growth and stuff, you know, you got a, your husband and a father. Um, God, I believe that God has placed the burden of leadership of the family on us as, um, 
you know, husbands and fathers to lead our family to, you know, to being more involved with church and being more involved with God and loving him. So best of luck to you, man. Um, I really hope you find a church that you connect with. And, um, but that, 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 um, I mean, hate to say it, but that's on you. That's on you and me as, as men, we gotta, we gotta man up here and, um, do what we need to do. And I'm, I'm really glad that you acknowledge that. Uh, I'm not trying to be preachy or anything, but this is just like what's what weighs heavy on my heart. Cause I see, and like you saw, you saw it firsthand. Your dad failed at that. He failed yeah. to lead your family, he failed to lead you. Um, and you're here throughout the, like a tough job. And uh, on top of that fatherhood and top of that marriage, you know, and you're still holding it down. But with Christ, you got the strength, man. You do. You got it. Um, and uh, if you're ever down in Port St. Lucie, come to church, man. Come to come with us, man. Come to Sunlight, bro. Yeah, I need to come back. I need to. I need to yeah. make a, a visit, yeah, surprise man. guest visit. I'd I'd love that. I love that. Let me ask you something, man. Uh, why do you think God is awesome? I think God is awesome because no matter where you're at in your life, and it, don't let anybody ever tell you that God is not going to test you because he will, he's going, but he's only going to put you in a situation that he knows you can handle. So even when you feel like you don't like you, like you can't handle it, like the world is crashing down. He's, he's got your back. Yeah. Just have faith and he's got your back. And I think that that's why God is awesome because he's, he's going to test you and he's going to push you, but no one who's ever been pushed before you, you don't remember the push when you get to the, you know what I'm saying? You don't, you don't remember the climb. Once you get to the mountaintop, you don't remember how painful it was when you get there, when you have children, you, I mean, ask any mother, you don't remember the anguish and the pain that you go through of pushing the child out. Once the child's there, once you're holding that baby. Yeah. So once, once you climb the mountaintop and you're standing at the top and you, you see what you've done, you don't remember the pain. So just I think God is awesome because he's willing to push us and make us grind through through that stuff, through that. Through and those, those you, you know, you can, gr- when you, you grind through the pain, you'll, you'll be happy when you hit the mountaintop and you won't remember it. Heck yeah. Amen. God's always good, man. It leads us to the promised land. Um, anyway, Ryan, it's been an absolute pleasure catching up and uh, speaking with you and interviewing you about your life. Um, if you guys are out there and you know any um, correctional officers and you know any people who are related to that, be sure to tag them. This is something awesome. And, and tag them in the – I think it's a little later in the uh, interview we did that. Um, if you – anyone who might relate to Ryan's story, um, please let them know. Share this video. Like this video. Thumb it up. Let's, let's, see, let's see some people connect on here. Uh, this is why we build this, this uh, community is where we can connect all, all of our stories together into one story. Anyway, Larson, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, We will see everyone all um, in the next episode. See you guys later. All right. Thanks for having me, buddy. Of course.